Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week in China's history, February 21st, 1875. The Marguerite Affair and British Imperialism on the China-Myanmar border. Written by James Carter. Published in SupChina. Read for you by Kaiser Guo. In recent weeks, the coup in Myanmar has raised many questions, not the least of which, how China is reacting to what is going on. China, along with Russia, blocked serious action by the UN Security Council, and among the greatest mysteries has been a series of secret, undocumented flights between Yangon and Kunming. For decades, Myanmar has both feared and solicited its much larger neighbor, and the change in leadership raises new opportunities and challenges for the relationship. But secretive and confusing border crossings in this part of the world are nothing new. This week, we look back to one such case with international consequences from the 19th century. On February 21, 1875, near the Qing border with Burma, as Myanmar was then known, British diplomat and explorer Augustus Marguerite set out to survey a new railroad line that would, his sponsors hoped, enable easy transportation from the coast to the mountainous interior. In the two decades since the Treaty of Nanjing, British trade on the coast had burgeoned, but reaching inland areas like Yunnan remained a challenge. Marguerite was separate from the main survey party led by Colonel Horace Brown, going ahead to scout out possible routes through the mountains. The next day, Brown's party of surveyors, protected by Burmese and Sikh troops, was attacked, perhaps by Qing soldiers and local militia, maybe by outlaw bands, Though Brown's forces escaped, they learned in the encounter that these same attackers had encountered Marguerite's group the day before. Exactly what happened is not clear, but all five, some accounts say six, of the men were killed and decapitated, their heads displayed for all to see. The event was quickly dubbed the Yunnan Outrage and is today all but forgotten. Later known as the Marguerite Affair, it shaped the course of British imperialism as it neared its peak. China's southwest, roughly the provinces of Yunnan, Guizhou, Guangxi, and parts of Sichuan, had long been one of the most loosely integrated into the state. During the Qing dynasty, northern border regions from Manchuria and Mongolia to Xinjiang were often the focus of military campaigns aimed at incorporating them into the empire, but the southwest was in many ways more remote. The mountainous tropical jungles of the region and mix of cultures was alien to the ruling Manchus, who struggled to adapt from the continental, often cold, plains of the north. Nor was this new or unique to the Manchus, who completed their conquest 
such as it was, of Yunnan in the 18th century. In Ming times, too, the southwestern frontier was at or just beyond the limits of central control. Imperial power in the region was not uniform or centralized, but diffused via a loose patchwork of alliances, rivalries, and accommodations with local tribes and sovereign states. In his book Asian Borderlands, Wellesley College historian C. Patterson Girsch describes the region of weak hierarchy and porous borders as a persistent frontier where, for centuries, Burmese, Siamese, Chinese, and Manchu empires ebbed and flowed, interacting with the local Thai, Kachin, Karen, and other groups. In the 19th century, the British and French empires strode into this mix. European imperialism after the Opium War focused on the coastal treaty ports like Shanghai, but the promise of the Chinese interior was irresistible. If only the transportation challenges could be overcome, the opportunities seemed limitless. For Britain and France, this lower left corner of the Qing state was important for other reasons too. Both had a presence on the other side of the border, the British in Burma and India, the French in Indochina. Eager to link up their commercial empires in Shanghai and India overland, rather than rely on the maritime route, British surveyors set out after a decade's delay, brought on by a civil war that pitted Chinese Muslims in the region against the Qing state, from Burma to chart a route that could connect their colonies. The British had another goal, too, which was to establish and map out precise boundaries. As Robert Bickers puts it in his essential The Scramble for China, European empire builders suffered from a kind of cartographic sickness, ponderous weighing up of our or their influence and interest, and how to effect, protect, or demonstrate these. This map-making was itself an imperialist project, contrasting sharply with the often ambiguous and flexible boundaries that typified the region and enabled the kinds of power structures that functioned there. Europeans wanted to impose their version of empire, they needed clear maps of what they intended to rule. The railroad survey was part of that project. The surveyors began in Bamo in Burma and headed east. Augustus Marguerite, a translator and official working in Shanghai, was sent to meet the surveying team in Burma, led by Colonel Brown, to provide documents so that they could cross into China. They met as planned in January and began their work crossing into Yunnan in February. Marguerite and his four staff went ahead as the group scouted potential routes for the planned railway. The only thing we know for sure is that on February 21st, everyone in Marguerite's party was killed, their heads displayed outside the town walls of Mangyun. Untangling exactly what happened to Marguerite is difficult. News didn't reach British diplomats until April, and Marguerite had been dead for more than a year before British officials arrived in Yunnan to investigate. As David Lefman wrote in an article about Marguerite's death in The Diplomat, many people had motives to attack the British, even if Marguerite himself seems to have been collateral. Lefman points to the locals who, weary after nearly two decades of war, might have feared that the British presented a new invading army, Brown's expedition was well-armed though Marguerite's was not, or local Chinese merchants who worried about commercial competition the British promised to bring, or the officials who ran, and taxed, 
the mule trains that the railway would supplant. After investigation, the local Chinese magistrate found that the murderers of Mr. Margery turn out to be wild hillmen, robbers by profession, and certain renegade Chinese who have fled from justice and joined the savages. According to testimony, a group of bandits set upon Marguerite and demanded blackmail. Marguerite refused, shooting one of them before being overwhelmed and hacked to death with swords. This account is certainly possible, though these wild hillmen, Kachin tribesmen, were convenient scapegoats for Qing authorities still trying to impose order on the region just a few years after the end of the devastating Pante Rebellion. The Qing government, they asserted confidently, certainly had nothing to do with the matter. British investigators, though, disagreed and found guilt in the Chinese government, starting with Chen Yuying, the governor of Yunnan. Chen's xenophobia was well known, and he was more than capable of murder. The blood of some 5,000 Chinese Muslims massacred in 1856 was on his hands. Attacking Marguerite and Brown was consistent with Chen's desire to rid the province of foreign invaders. Another possibility was Li Zhenguo, a Qing military officer who had, a few years previously, taken up arms against the British. Li had worked as a mercenary guerrilla during the Pante Rebellion, hired by local merchants to protect them against the war. In 1875, Li was no longer a mercenary. He was a Qing military officer, but some suspect that he was hired to protect the merchants again, this time against potential British competition. According to this version of events, Marguerite, surveying ahead of the main party along with four Chinese staffers, was joined by Mang Yun and by two Chinese officials. Acting on the orders of the provincial governor, the two men knocked Marguerite from his horse and killed him before finding his assistance in the monastery where they were staying and killed them as well. Although the Qing denied any responsibility, the British insisted on it. And, as in other events like the Arrow Incident of 1856, Britain used their grievance to press for more concessions. Eighteen months after Marguerite's death, China signed the Chifu Convention, accepting responsibility for the murder, requiring local officials to protect British passport holders, and opening five more treaty ports to trade. Several bits of trivia accompanied the Chifu Convention. It was signed by Li Hongzhang for the Qing and Thomas Wade of Wade Giles fame, eventually the first professor of Chinese at Cambridge, for Britain. The treaty also called for a formal mission of apology, which brought Guo Songdao to London in 1877. Guo's mission took up residence at 49 Portland Place in London, which became not only China's first overseas diplomatic mission, but remains the address of the Chinese embassy in Britain. In the coming weeks, we may see whether there will be lasting international ramifications to what is going on in Myanmar and how significant China's role in it might be. But it is worth remembering that the region has a long history with international conflicts that belie its reputation as remote.